It's time debit card users are also included in the cashback fun. Now everyone can get cashback on everyday purchases with Discover Cashback Debit. That includes no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Just to let my hands outside so cold. Ooh. 
to bag it up <laughs> oh kids oh kid we're gonna have some fun today aren't we it's tuesday uh welcome to so bad it's good with ryan bailey this is ryan bailey i need to start off with just breaking great news you guys uh bill aden jennifer aden's husband from real housewives of new jersey his ferrari has been recovered folks Yes, there was breaking news yesterday uh, where Jennifer Aiden went to her Instagram stories and says, help, we are in vacation. Somebody has stolen Bill's Ferrari out of our garage. Here is security cam footage of it. You know, it, uh, Paramus, New Jersey was a part of it. And thankfully, it has been recovered. We do not know more of the story yet. I'm sure we will find out more of this story. But I love, I mean, I love that the Ferrari was recovered. This is a, you know... I have a Corolla, so I understand what Bill must have gone through in those moments of losing, uh, you know, a vehicle of that kind of stature. But um, it's always <laughs> the only reason I think it would be fun to be a celebrity is you can complain online about things that you should get other people to like you shouldn't get us involved. It's like when you go on Twitter and you see like celebrities complain about JetBlue. You're like, yo, JetBlue is late for us too, numbnuts. Like, we don't have the power. Like, nobody gives a shit. Like, you know, like, oh, I saw Shep doing that. For Shep, Shep is really turning into a Jax Taylor from Southern Charm. And I, I like Shep, but uh, he really uses Twitter as a look at my follower count. Now will you help me? That kind of vibe. Um, but Jennifer Aiden, I love that Jennifer Aiden's one of her first thoughts of like, I should put this on Instagram. I mean, by the way, you know, the, the the Bravo audience, the pop culture audience are probably as good, if not better than some detectives out there. Honestly, like if I said, OK, you guys, we've made this deal before, but I want to remind you of this in case there's new listeners, which hi. Hello. You're, you're welcome. It'll be OK. Just go with this. You won't like this episode. Uh, I mean, you, if you're just joining us today, you probably won't like this one. But if you keep going, you'll like me by next week. Um, here's the deal. If I somehow get murdered okay and i know that's just god forbid you know mom if you're listening this is a joke but if i do will you guys have got to put the pieces together i there's got to be one person one listener that will not give up my case and the same thing if i go to jail like i will assure you i have not done the thing that i am going to jail for but somebody has got to fight for me for the rest of for the of my life wow we're only seven months seven minutes in okay that was the record amazing um how's everybody doing good good okay um it has been a really frustrating day in the terms i woke up 
I finished the episode for Monday's episode with Sophie at like 2 a.m. And iHeartRadio switched. Um, so like I do the episode and I, I edit and I, I put the episode into this system. We used to use this system called Megaphone to uh, it's like a you know distributor where you put the audio in and you type all the stuff out and you you know load it up and then you hit publish. And then it goes out to like iTunes and Spotify and stuff like that. And Friday – uh, iHeart switched over to another um, distribution service called Omni. And so Friday was my first episode with Omni where I had to load everything in. Like I like I don't have a producer on this show. You're like, we know. We we kind of got onto that. Um, but uh, so I do all that shit myself. Like a lot of the iHeart people, like you pay more – you pay more to them if you let them do it. And I was like, I need every one of these dollars, so I do it. And the Friday one went off without a hitch, which I was even – you know when you ex- you're like, well, knowing me, there's going to be an issue. And then Friday's OC episode went off without a hitch, and I was so happy. And then last night, loaded the episode, published it, thought everything was great. I wake up at – fell asleep around like three because it takes an hour to get, you know, just the, the excitement that I go through my, my poor body, just the adrenaline that pumps through me, as you can hear in my voice when I podcast, (laughs) just takes a little bit to wind down 9am. I get up and I immediately look at my phone like a normal person. And I am hit with like a, like a lot of DMS are going, where's the episode, which is kind of the worst way to wake up because it's it's like that oh my dog ate my homework or oh shit I'm late to like a school thing and it puts you right in that thing and I'm like oh my god oh my god and I look at Omni and of course there's like no downloads and I'm like oh my god I know at least two people download these shows so I know this is ridiculous and so it was like this stupid button that didn't get hit and it was it, it got up but I'm so sorry it was late because I do want that to be your first thing on Monday if you if you if you choose to share this with, you know, share all of this or share your ears with me, I want to make sure I'm there. So that was very frustrating to wake up. And then secondly, and this goes into a little bit of pop culture news, we finally got the announcement that I was expecting from the moment he got announced to begin with is that Kanye West has dropped out of Coachella 2022. Now, uh, Coachella 2022 is taking place for the first time in three years since COVID uh, next week. And the week after, so they do two weekends in the desert, and Kanye was closing out the festival on Sunday nights. I believe Harry Styles was Friday, Billie Eilish was Saturday, and Kanye was Sunday. And Kanye West is no longer, he dropped out. They have given us no reason for this, um, no reason for his dropout. Hopefully it's for his mental health. I truly think this is the second time Kanye's dropped out of a Coachella in his career. Um, I was talking today with somebody, and I was like, man... Kanye has really burned a lot of bridges of things that he really loves. Like, for some reason or another, he loves Saturday Night Live, and he's, like, talked so much shit about them in the last six months. Like, can't imagine Lauren Michaels wanting him anywhere near that set anymore. Um, and then Coachella, I know he loved that music festival. I saw his performance in, I think it was 2012, and it was amazing. It was ama- I've seen Kanye twice at Coachella. And both times were great, but that second time when he headlined, you could just tell how special it was to him. You can find the full video on YouTube, I believe, of that performance. And it was just so special. It was such a great – and that was when Kanye was like – you know, he it was still Kanye's making music slash art. And now I feel like it veers more towards Kanye's an artist 
And sometimes that's not the most enjoyable thing for the consumer, even though it can be great for the consumer in the long run because emotionally you might catch up to a piece of work, um, just like I did with Summer House. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It was fun. Like it was like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, all his early stuff, and it was just like banger after banger. But he dropped out, and that's the thing, though. You know, I'm I'm I don't care what the reason is. Honestly, I don't think he should have been doing it to begin with. Obviously, he's going through a lot, and I don't begrudge. I don't think anybody begrudges Kanye's feelings in the sense of like, yeah, man, that fucking sucks to like get divorced. It sucks. And I know, by the way, I want to point out Kanye played a hand in his divorce. He admitted to cheating on Kim, and and there are all of these things. But I'm sure they both, you know, did things. But I'm sure it's like sucks. So I, I'm happy that he's not doing it. You know, it's just that I think it's so shitty to do when the festival was is next week. Now, I will. This is big breaking so bad. It's good news. I think I will be returning to the desert next weekend for the first weekend of Coachella. If anybody's going, uh, please let me know. I'll be wearing my so bad. It's good shirt uh, interviewing uh, people in the desert. Um, hopefully we'll, uh, you know, if you, Hey, if you want to do a little, if you want to bump into me on the field, that would be very special. That would be hysterical, but, uh, I'm really excited. I, I, I've been to 13 Coachellas, which I've done a Coachella episode years ago, but, it, and by the way, when I did this, I used to even interview my friends from my old podcast I did when it was the Kardashians, but you guys know I'm a huge fan of music and this one's kind of interesting. It'll be interesting. Like there's nobody I'm like dying to see. Like I'll see Harry Styles and Billie Eilish. I haven't seen them before, so that'll be exciting. And there's like other smaller bands that I really want to see, but, um, it'll be kind of nice to, I used to obsess about it. I, you know, they would get the schedule, like they would give you the time, like the, you know, the set times, like a couple days beforehand, and you and your buddies would just go over that set time with a fine tooth comb and go, okay, okay, seven o'clock, we got to see Phoenix, but then we got to be over at 750. We got to see Mike Snow. That gives us a 10 minute window to walk, uh, you know, 0.25 miles. Like we would geek out on that shit. And then you get there and you wind up having too many beers and you're just like, well, fuck it. I guess I'm not seeing Phoenix, you know? Um, and it's just a really special time. Uh, I used to have a big crew of friends that uh, I used to go with, and now they've all decided to have kids. And uh, I even like keep making jokes about like sending like the ones with kids, like, "Hey, look at these headphones you can bring to Coachella for kids," you know. And they just ignore those jokes. Uh, and I, if I were to be even honest, I don't even think they were jokes when I sent them. I really wanted them to take their babies to Coachella. Um, so I can't wait to be your correspondent and take you through that journey and see what that's like. And, uh, yeah. So if anybody's going, please let me know. I think I will definitely be going. So I'm excited about that, but yeah, Kanye is not going to be there. Uh, I don't know if he's going to have a replacement when you do it this late into the game. I would imagine it's pretty hard to replace because these are huge stage productions. Uh, the headliners usually have a very big stage production, so it's got to be somebody that's already out on tour, if anybody. But they sold out Coachella before before Kanye, before they even made the announcement of who was playing. That's how popular this music festival is, and it's the first one back uh, in three years. So we will see what happens. I will keep you posted on all of that, and you're like, dude, I'm here for the Bravo and the pop culture, but you know, you, remember, there's like just a, like a couple degrees difference of you know us Bravo fans and music fans. Like We're all kind of in the same boat. This all is the same thing. I'm personally hoping, hoping that uh, 
Countess Luanne takes over for Kanye. Could you imagine on a Sunday night of like, everybody ready to party in the desert? Money can't buy you class. Everybody's just tripping balls. Like, woo, Countess! Got a very exciting email from somebody with the Countess today, which I won't go into. I'm, I, I, I refuse to talk about future things anymore ever since it took me a month to get a Tom Sandoval interview out. So whatever. Today, you guys, today's guest is really great. I interviewed her about a week and a half ago. And then I got, I was going to release this last week, but the Will Smith thing happened and I couldn't find the right, uh, the right time. You know, it's like, I want you guys to hear this guest or hear whoever I speak to on the right day. And it kind of, it's weird. Like I, it, sometimes that changes depending on how the day goes. Um, but her name is Vanessa Riser, you guys. And I don't know if you have heard of Vanessa. Uh, we'll go into who she is right before the interview. I'm going to do a couple stories, though, beforehand, if that's cool. But just to tell you, there is a very, you know, there is a connection to Bravo. You can look her up and you can find that connection. But she does a lot of very important work with uh, narcissistic uh, abuse and abusers. And we'll get into a little bit of, uh, more about that in the intro, but does some really important work. And I think this is a fascinating conversation that talks about narcissistic abusers. It talks about the Netflix series, bad vegan. Uh, we talk about Bravo in there and it's just, I, I think these are the conversations that I truly love just cause I, I genuinely do love to meet people not in my real life, but in my podcast life, I really do. And she was just, she was very cool and great. And, um, I can't wait for you to hear her, but we got to talk about some other things first if that's cool. So uh, big Bravo news, sad Bravo news, horrible Bravo news. Um, another thing we woke up today, and that is involving Shaws of Sunset. Uh, now, if you remember, we just had, uh, we had, you know, the king of Shaws on a couple weeks ago, Reza. And now we got like just horrifying news, though. This is just very sad on so many, so many levels. But if you don't watch The Shaws, it's a great uh, reality show on Bravo that's had 10 seasons. Um, and I don't know if this is going to, I don't know if this is going to hurt its chances of coming back with the news today. But even we were just, uh, Reza and I were joking about one of the characters in uh, the interview I did with him. So here's the uh, headline. Shaws of Sunset star Mike Shohid is arrested for domestic violence one year after sexting scandal with fiance Paulina Ben-Cohen, which was on uh, Shaws of Sunset. Uh, Mike Shohid was arrested for intimate partner violence with injury last month. Now, I find this very interesting story, especially because of our guest today, Vanessa. Uh, he's engaged to her, uh, charged with corporal injury on a spouse or cohabitant. He was released on $50,000 bail and is now due back in court on July 25th. What is it? What, what, what is this? April? April? You know, I don't understand why it takes four months. Like, I don't know. The, the court system is so weird to me. It's like Jen Shaw. It's like we can postpone for years. Like four months. Like, I mean, listen, I don't know this guy's story yet, but I mean, what if he is a danger to this woman? He gets to just like go walk around for four months. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know Mike personally, but, you know, we got to believe like 
we have this weird tendency in this country. We we really uh, we we ignore violence. We do. We ignore violence. It's like we turn the other cheek. It's you know we you know oh no no we'll take you in, but then we won't really. It's it's really weird, and it's always violence against uh, violence towards women. Usually, do you notice that? It's really a lot of violence towards women. Um, but we have this weird thing in our culture. Where it's, I mean, if you really think about how messed up that is, I think we all just like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, he's out on bail, it's fine. But like, this is this is really dark stuff. Um, the identity of Shoah's alleged victim has not yet been revealed, but they are saying that it is uh, his fiance. Uh, the Los Angeles Police Department confirmed on Monday that West Valley police officers had responded to a call of unknown trouble at around 10 p.m. Uh, local time. That's always bad when it's late. You know, 10 p.m., you're like, nothing. Police aren't getting called for a good thing at 10 p.m. Um, Daily Mail has reached out to reps for the reality star for comment, but is said to be denying the charges. Um, so uh, shortly before deleting his Instagram account entirely, Shoed had shared a cryptic point to his story, a cryptic post to his stories that read, your life is your responsibility. Your success is your responsibility. Your failure is your responsibility. Your reaction is your responsibility. Your behavior is your responsibility. So hopefully Mike, Mr. Shoed will, will, will. Listen to what he wrote on his Instagram post. He is the Chloe Kardashian of Instagram where he just puts cryptic messages. But this sounds like something that might actually benefit him if he would listen to himself. Uh, we just don't uh, we don't approve of any violence towards women. Even I don't even care what the situation is. Right. You know, what I think like, I don't I don't care. You don't. You just don't. You don't. Uh, Gigi, who's been on this podcast as well, uh, just wrote a, uh, a a tweet earlier that just said no comment. No comment from Gigi. Oh, yes. Gigi is saving all comments for Randall. <laughs> for Rand. Can you believe GJ, Gigi had Randall on her podcast last week or the week before and like kind of like was sympathizing with sympathizing with him? Like, yeah, you know, I think it's, you know, a lot of people don't talk about the plight of the male. <laughs> listen, dude, it's tough being a man. It's I mean, no, listen, like I'm sad a lot of the time. And but that's my thing. Like, that's not because of women. Like, that's because of me and my mind. And I know a lot of us men, we do. We like carry this weird weight of the world on our shoulders for some reason. We're like these weirdly troubled creatures. And sometimes it's like, why are we even trying? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's funny. Like for being so tough, we cannot withstand pain like women can. Have you noticed that at all? Like women? And I don't, I see, I hate this cause I know I have, you know, I don't want to gas women up too much, but, um, it's like women are way stronger emotionally than men. Like, I'm not saying like, believe me, I get women have a lot of issues too. I totally get it. I've seen them firsthand. I've had a lot of bad things done to me by women, and I've done a lot of bad things to women, I'm sure. Um, but but they're so much stronger. Like, we cry at the drop of a hat. And I don't even mean, like, on, like, commercials or like that, but, like, if we get a sniffle, we cry. Like, we're like, eee! But, like, women, like, they can withstand anything, anything. And they're open with their feelings a lot quicker than men are. I will always find it shocking that men uh, were able to take power away from women at any point in this game. Like, women were the ones that birthed men. Like, women should have been just like, no, I do not want to have any more men. No, I refuse. Um, so we'll follow that story. Uh, Mike's lawyer has made a comment saying that he denies all charges and that please innocent until proven guilty. So I'm sure we'll hear, hear more. But I, I think that's one of those weird things where if you're a Bravo um, a Bravo 
you know, head of Bravo in production, do you do you highlight a dark story like this on your show? Is this the right time to highlight this show? And and especially because Mike is such a big part of the show, and you would be getting giving someone a platform that, that maybe they don't deserve at this point. I don't know. So we will find out more about that. Did you guys watch uh, Summer House tonight? We'll do a full Summer House episode on Wednesday, and I have a guest coming on uh, that we're going to recap together and have a lot of fun, and uh, I'm very excited about that. But, uh, dude, first off, we got to talk about Craig's there for another episode. This guy takes his shirt off on the beach, and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, good. At least he's not wearing that big white hat anymore. But then he takes it. He has, like, two gun tattoos. Craig Conover has, like, gun tattoos. Like, listen, you know, I'm all for gun control to a degree, you know. You know, and I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not wading into this debate about gun control, but I will say that I would love if the government took away Craig's gun tattoos. I, if they could just take those, like, I don't care about human rights when it comes to Craig's gun tattoos. Let's just take them away. Let's get those things off his body. That's disgusting. Like the fact that Paige is dating a dude with a couple gun tattoos. All right. Think about that. Dude, Craig knows what he's doing. Craig is a smart dude. Like Craig knows exactly what he's doing. He know like it huh, hysterical. Um, let's see what else. Oh my God, I'm so mad, you guys. My buddy Tug is, uh, my buddy Tug is texting me and he goes, yo, man, um, dude, I had tickets to this, um, this musical artiste. Her name's Caroline Rose and she had an album out like four years ago that I loved and, or three years ago, before COVID. And I think it was called Loner and it was just like a great, it was like a Great album. Great album. Her newest album is not as good, but that album just spoke to me so much. And I saw she was playing at the Troubadour. This was like two years ago. And I bought tickets. It was like 20 buck tickets. And I was like, bought one for me and one for my buddy Tug. Tug is my music going buddy. You got to have a music going buddy. Like, and, and he's just a sweetheart. And he has kids and stuff like that. But he still will, you know, take time to invite me to shows. And I try to do the same for him. And so I got these tickets. And then the pandemic happened. And they rescheduled it once for like a year from then. And then, okay, that came around and COVID was still happening. And they're like, okay, we're going to reschedule this time. And it's going to be April of 2022. And I'm like, great, amazing. At least it's still happening. I can wait another year. I've done that many times in my life at this point. Fucking, I missed the show. I didn't fucking put it in my calendar. The show was on Sunday night. Tug goes, yo, we missed the show. I missed a show. I, I Dude, you got to get your... But together, Ryan, that is, did you guys, has, has that happened to you guys where you made plans during COVID and they kept postponing and then you just somewhere along the way just forgot? Like there needs, like there should be some business out there for like help people to not even get back there on their feet at COVID, just get their shit together after COVID. Like, yo, you are on this earth again. You've got to start, like, we're going to get you hiking. We're going to get you eating right. We're going to, you know, hold your hand through your calendar. We're going to really just talk to you, and you're going to initial each calendar date. Because that's the other thing I do, too. I go, yeah, I'm hearing you. Totally hearing you. And then in my mind, I'm just, like, visualizing last week's episode of Summer House. Dude, on Summer House tonight, Kyle, he's just this simpleton creature sometimes he was just chasing birds and he was like whoa awesome yo it's it was it's he's very pure of heart <laughs> in the weirdest way and then he can also be an ass so it's oh and, oh god you guys carl got 
Sierra and Danielle got into that fight, and Sierra spilled the wine and broke the glass over uh, Danielle. And then the true victim of this whole thing, Carl got red wine on his white pants. That's all Carl had. Carl loves those white pants. Carl can pull off white pants like no other. That's And, he, you know, he's not struggling. He's doing great, but he's, you know, trying to be sober and stuff. The man needs his white pants. I hope, Sierra, if you're listening, that you bought this man some white pants to apologize for your dumb move, which then it was so weird. Then it was like they, this, the whole thing blew up and then they just go back to normal. They're like, okay, well, let's go on with the episode. Like I, it was weird. It was, I, I thought I was like, did I miss a whole scene? Are we in a multiverse of some sort? Didn't like also below deck sailing yacht. You guys, if you are not on board below deck sailing yacht for me, it is one of those just kind of simple pleasures. I just like it. I like every all the girls fight over this dude Gary, and I can't really see why. I, I, but you know, with those things where you're like, you 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 know that it it's true that all these girls are. So you start finding reasons. You're like, yeah, maybe it's a, it's got maybe the accent. Maybe it's, you know what it is. Maybe it's because he 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 always says yes to work. He always uh, he always has a decent attitude. You know, like you try to like see it through their eyes. You're like, why does everybody like Gary? Because I just see him as like a big thumb, like a tan big thumb and you know a nice thumb with a an, an interesting accent but a thumb nonetheless and i just love I, I like that show i like we gotta have those simple shows and i do re- re- recommend below uh deck down under which is on peacock peacock i dude i'm just gonna say i love peacock i have no bone like i'm good with peacock i do not know why more people aren't on board peacock they are doing amazing things i, I really do um, Apple TV doing amazing things too, but Apple TV doesn't want you to know they exist. Apple TV is like, we are so snotty. You're going to have to find out. You're going to have to ask about us. I keep recommending that we crashed show with Jared, Jared, creepy Leto and Anne Hathaway. And, um, and people are like, I, I, I've never heard of this before. And the only reason I've heard about it is just because I'm so ingrained to like look for entertainment things and it's just all, I'm all consumed with it. But it shocks me the amount of people like, it's the first I've ever heard about it as you said it. I'm like, what? And it goes to my theory of Apple TV doesn't want you to know it exists. I believe Apple TV is some kind of shelter for drug money of some sort. I don't know if they're laundering, but it just, it seems like they do not care in the world if you watch it. They're like, okay, well, it's here if you want it, but I don't even care if you want it. Like, they really don't give a shit. Like, it. I've never seen a business plan like that. Like, at least Amazon, you know people will be going to Amazon every day just to order, like, you know, fucking, like, cleaning supplies. And they'll see, like, Amazon TV randomly will pop up in an ad. But Apple TV, it's like, yeah, we have a, all the computers and phones and all that shit. But the Apple TV, it's like you could be doing so much more. And then when you do see an ad for Apple TV, it's, like, so not welcoming. It's very robotic, almost AI-like. Do you know what I'm saying? It's cold. And you're like, this is so weird. So weird. And that is all I got to say about that. <laughs> That's my Forrest Gump, you guys. Um, I hope you guys are doing well. I was thinking about the summer I was hiking today, and it was such a nice... Um, not me hiking was that. It was disgusting. I was so sweaty, and it was very scary for people around me, I'm sure. But... Um, I just realized we're in that kind of time of year where summer is starting to happen. And I know a lot of you guys are still in the cold, but in Los Angeles, it's really, I don't want to rub this in, but it's really nice. It's like nice, nice. It's really, you know, 
I wish you were here. That's what I'm saying. I wish you were here. We could go have a drink at the Cat and not the Cat and Phil, the, the Village Idiot right down the uh, street from where I live. You know, we, we it would be great, but you're not. So that's whatever. But um, I was thinking about Summers is, you know, Carol, what did Carol on Real Housewives in New York says? She only has like 10 great summers left, which I think when she said that, it's like, I think time's up on those 10 great summers, Carol. So I would be worried if I was Carol. Carol would be like, did I predict my death? It would be very scary. Um, but remember when we were kids, how much summers meant to us and it felt like time was endless. It was too much time almost It's too much time. You know, I remember feeling that. And I think it's just because we're so young that our little brains do not have a concept of time yet and everything's new to us. So everything is weighted and it takes so much time, you know? And then we, you know, by the time we get older, we've been through this so many times that I think our mind just kind of numbs us and it goes really quickly. Or at least that's my, my little theory on that. But I remember, you know, when you're a kid, you, you know, or at least I did in, a, in, in Kansas, Olathe, Kansas, the summers, I, you know, was spent at the library. You know, my, my mom would take, I'd ask to go to the library and then I would just read, 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 read as many books as I could. And then you'd like play with your friends or collect baseball cards and read. And like you had time to get into stupid shit. You had time to like dig through the catalog of I'm going to listen to every REM album of all, you know, like you, you, and I just want to, I want to politely suggest maybe this summer, whether it be encouraging your kids to do the same, to like just dig in because now sometimes we don't have the time to be as nerdy as we want about stuff. Right. Like I was like, wow, I used to really just nerd out. I would just lose myself in a book or go down a rabbit hole with like an artist or, you know, you know what I'm saying? You just had that time to like discover everything about somebody that you loved, um, in, in terms of pop culture. And I would suggest this, we, this, this summer, try to do that for yourself. Try to pick one thing. I was, uh, I was realizing I had Spotify. I was like, wow, I have Spotify. You know, and I, I try to listen to as much music as I can, but I was like, why am I not going back and like just picking a band and starting from the beginning and going from point A to where they are now? Because when I was a kid, we didn't have Spotify. We, I couldn't do that. I'd have to go out and pay a ton of money that I didn't have, hope the library had it or hope my parents had it or my friends. Um, so I did that. I started last week. I picked Depeche Mode. The synth band, uh, I mean, there's so much more than that, uh, the British synth band, but uh, started in 1981, you guys. And I am now, I've worked up to 1989 when they released the Depeche Mode 101 album, which was a live concert album at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. And then right after this album, a year later came Violator, which was their they were already hugely successful, that, but that took it to the next level because that was Reach Out and Touch Faith, it was Personal Jesus, all of, all of these just bops. And, uh, but it was so interesting. I was like going back and I was like, this is so interesting. 1981, you know, I, they had these just – I was just kind of really impressed. And I was like, this is cool. Like, I want to do more of this. I want to pick something instead of just like randomly just picking up a remote control and just flipping and just totally just not even paying attention. But like set out to find out what I want, you know, like as much as I can about as much as I can. There was like this excitement in it for me. It reminded me of being a child again and how I would just zone out on pop culture, how I would just really it just meant everything to me. It still does mean everything to me, but uh, sometimes 
I think I can get a little desensitized or like, ah, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, Will Smith, slap Chris Rock. Well, we see it all the time, don't we? Um, I don't mean to like suggest that in a, I hate when people suggest things to me. I'm saying just for me, it was kind of exciting. So I was like, oh, I want to tell the audience maybe that would be cool for them to do too, because we all have these like stupid accounts and like how much do we really use them? You know, like even go on Netflix, type in an actor that you love and just watch everything that actor has done, you know? Go into, if you have Peacock, watch every episode of some series. Like these things, like, I don't know. Like everybody says, like, I do think we are what we watch and consume. You know, I think that is, I take great pride in being what we watch and what we consume. Like that means something to me. And I think it means something to you guys too. Like we all watch the same stuff. It says something about us. We, we know each other better because of these shows that we love. Um, okay, quick. We're going to do a quick five-minute uh, Bailey Mail, and that is where I just open up the Daily Mail showbiz page, and I read you the headlines and give you quick opinions, and then we'll get to, right to our guests. I just like talking to you guys. Sometimes this is just me babbling, but... I don't know. Like it just, it helps me so much. Um, Chloe Kardashian is every inch the doting mother as she sweetly carries her sleeping daughter true after picking her up from gymnastics class. Now this is the top story on us showbiz, showbiz and daily mail. And this is what you call a slow news day, folks. This is this is, and the, the headline hats off to this writer. Chloe Kardashian is every inch. That's a very, I don't know what that means, but it's very telling to me. And it's literally just a picture of her, holding uh true outside of a gymnastics building and she, and she has a little smile like this is a story on daily mail like that's a story that's that's the top story uh let's see here justin long and his new girlfriend kate bosworth confirmed their relationship while holding hands in santa monica after he called her the one where did kate bosworth go by the way i remember kate bosworth did a randall emmett film a couple of years ago and i was like oh no justin long of course really funny dude but done a lot of things um uh i always remember is like remember the mac guy it was him and that other dude and they always did the commercials with the white background and he was like the mac and the other guy was like the pc good stuff uh also over the pandemic do you remember when justin long did like a Instagram video where he held like a cup that said I'm gay and it, okay. he was like he was like yep and like remember like people thought he had come out but no he's in love with Kate Bosworth I still don't know what that video was but why yeah, I remember it very succinctly is because somebody in my DMs DM'd it to me and goes hey really love you love the show um if you know this is who you should be dating Justin Long, if he's gay, you really should try to get you guys would really match up. And it's always that kind of embarrassing moment where you have to reveal to someone that you're not gay. And because I was like, oh, should I just should I just say thank you? Like, or should I say, oh, yo, total, I love Justin Long, but and I, I did the oh, I love Justin Long, but I'm I'm not uh, I said I'm not, at, you know, I'm not gay. And she was really embarrassed. And I was like, how dare you? No, Um no, I was like, no, that's a compliment. Like, believe me, like my best friends are gay. Like, it's a great compliment for somebody to call me gay. But at the same time, I'm not gay. But then I was like, wow, you say you listen to my show. It's not like I'm talking about like boobs and girls, boobs and butts. All Maybe I should be a little more lascivious. But I always thought that was funny that like somebody was trying to set me up with Justin Long 
on Instagram at one point. Uh, next story, Jessica Simpson puts on a leggy display as she curls up on a wicker swing, rocking, sexy bikini and fun daisy print shades. Slowest news day ever. This is the slowest news day ever in terms of pop culture. The third most important story in Daily Mail's U.S. show busy that Jessica Simpson is lying in a wicker swing, folks. A wicker swing. So this is... We are so blessed. So blessed. Okay, now here's executives at Will Smith's talent agency are divided over whether to dump the Oscar-winning star from its roster after Chris Rock's slap and subsequent resignation from the Film Academy. No! You fucking idiots! No! He did something really bizarre and idiotic, and he's going to... It's going... Like, listen. He did... This is very different. Very different than Harvey Weinstein. Come on! Like, guys... It's very shocking and horrible, and he is going to pay a price in so many ways. It seems like he's probably already paying a price to even do that in the first place. But no, Will Smith should definitely work again. What are we? What are we crazy? No, I'm sorry. I don't. I really. I just. It's idiotic. But guess what? So many idiotic, th- idiotic things happen. If anything, this will make him a better person. Hopefully, uh, exclusive. This is an exclusive article, you guys. Courtney Kardashian's wild night in Sin City. Reality star stumbles around after enjoying a few drinks at Grammy celebration with Travis Barker, who gallantly helps her back to the hotel. Now, this story to me reeks of planting a story. And what is planting a story? You may ask. It is something that they want us to think. They want us to think that Kourtney Kardashian had a few too many. But I think Kourtney Kardashian didn't have a few too many. I think she might be with child. And they're putting this story out there to mess with us. And now I know what you're saying. You're saying, Ryan, how dare you be conspiratorial like that? You know you hate conspiracies, yet you are pushing one out there. And what I have to say to that is mind your business. I will do this show the way I want to do this show. No, um, I don't know why. I think I'm whispering because I think Chris Jenner is listening or something. But this is one of those stories that I would love to believe if Courtney cut loose and she got wasted and like Travis is like holding her hair back while she's like throwing up like carbone in like a wind toilet. But uh, I don't think that's what I think this is. I think I don't I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, ooh, here's here's a heartwarming one. Quote, it's starting to pop. Pregnant Ilaria Baldwin shows off baby bump in navy blue dress as she's expecting seventh child with husband Alec Baldwin. So if we are to believe so this, you know, everybody was saying, is it a surrogate or not? So this article says it is not. We have a picture of Ilaria um, with her hand on her belly. Uh, Ilaria has always been honest with everything she's ever done in her life forever and ever. So I guess we can believe this. It's starting to pop, but man, this lady's just, it's this is just wild. I mean, good for them. Good for them. It's just wild. Um, ooh, this is a good one. Leave me alone. Haley Bieber denies she's pregnant after a report over fan speculation she's expecting with husband Justin Bieber. So uh, Haley wore this kind of like flowing dress kind of to the Grammys and somebody said something like, are you pregnant? And like, dude. Like, I looked at it, it's, like, flowing, but then you can clearly see her fucking rock-hard abs underneath. Like, dude, like, no. But I love that she left a comment of, like, I'm not pregnant, leave me alone. That's literally, that's what I'm like at Old Navy when I go there to shop. If somebody tries to help me, I'm like, leave me alone, I'm not pregnant, I'll do this myself. I, 
like this girl is probably not pregnant, but also I just like like leave me alone. She just looks amazing. I love that anybody would ever think she was hiding a baby. I, and if she is, good for her. Ooh, here's a ooh no oh no. Erica Jane stuns in bubblegum pink while Kelly Clarkson hypnotizes in a sea. <laughs> Hypnotizes in a seafoam sequin top at week three of American Song Contest. Now, you Daily Mail writers, you guys are amazing. Like, I love these guys just throwing in extra words. Like, Erica Jane, okay, okay, so the writer's like, okay, I've got a picture here of Erica Jane and one of Kelly Clarkson at American Song Contest. How can I spin this into an article? Okay, I got it. Erica Jane, what does she do? What do you, oh, she stuns. Erica Jane stuns in, ah, oh, damn it, damn it. Brian, think, think, think. Okay, oh, ooh, ooh, what is she wearing? Uh, pink. No, no, we need what kind? Bubblegum pink. Okay, okay. Erica Jane stuns in bubblegum pink while, while, damn it, what do we do now? Well, okay, Kelly Clarkson. While Kelly Clarkson, huh, okay, she's in clothing as well. How do we work this in? Kelly Clarkson, what does she do? What does she do next to Erica? She, fuck it, she hypnotizes. Kelly Clarkson hypnotizes in a, what is that, seafoam? Seafoam, seafoam, sequined top. Okay, that's really solid so far. I, I want to close it out some way. Okay, what? where where are we? Okay, uh, and when are we? Okay, at week three of American Song Contest. Boom, put it out there. That is an actual title to an article, folks. So there's this NBC show called American Song Contest. These fucking writers, like even the first paragraph, Erica Jane and Kelly Clarkson both had all eyes on them on Monday when they arrived at week three of American Song Contest in brilliant colorful ensembles ensembles brilliant <laughs> erica jane had all eyes on yeah because they were trying to see if she stole anything that's um that's hysterical erica must i i bet when erica goes to real events that aren't housewife events she's like it's time to shine this is the time to make big connections, like either get a husband or get your next job. This is a big night for old EJ. She's, it didn't, I don't, this is bubblegum pink. This looks like denim pink. I know that's not a type of pink, but, um, but good for, good for Erica getting invited to a show, uh, to watch, I guess. We got to talk about Madonna folks. We do. We just do. And it breaks my heart. Kids, if you, if you are not knowing who I refer to as, I would just say, do you, come on. Read the internet. Madonna is a legend. She is an icon. She really created female pop music the way we know it today. So many female artists owe everything to Madonna, from Lady Gaga to Ariana Grande to, I mean, like just the panache with what which Madonna did what she did. I can't say enough things of like how big Madonna was, you know, up there with Michael Jackson and Prince and, you know, tragically, tragically, uh, Prince's dad and Michael has passed away as well. Um, but Madonna was right up there and Madonna almost does the biggest sin you can do as somebody that famous is that stay alive, right? You know, Kurt Cobain, amazing musician and also died unfortunately at the right time for a rock and roll star when he could be nothing but prolific he didn't have a bunch of failure albums and a bunch of shit music which he potentially would have had if he stayed alive and i know that sounds dark but think about it 
you know, if Madonna had passed away at a certain age, uh, we would have always known her as this insanely gorgeous creature that pushed the boundaries of sex um, and how we thought about it and music and dance and gay rights and all of these amazing things, which she is still very much a part of on all of this. But she is still alive and we watch her go through whatever she is doing now like uh, madonna is on tiktok uh this is the article madonna's bizarre tiktok video raises eyebrows as fans grow concerned over the star's unsettling appearance quote what has she done to herself and i even put this on my instagram because uh and this video racked up eight million views so some people wrote to me like well she's doing what madonna does get people talking and i just i don't know like, my first thought with Madonna is that Madonna is an artist. Like, she is very smart. Like, she, maybe this is a plan, but she's done so many weird fillers and things like that to her face. Her face really does have this kind of alien-like look. But even then, I'm like, well, maybe she likes it that way. Maybe that's part of her view of herself. But then part of me is like, maybe she's just fallible like all of us, and she makes mistakes like all of us, too, and, and, and is like all of us, and like, oh, my God, are you fucking kidding me? We're getting older? Oh, no, we're getting older. Damn it. I feel young inside. Uh, why is my skin like this? Maybe. Um, but it, it's very disturbing. So she was doing this where she's looking directly in the camera and to her song like, Ooh, if I could melt your heart. I can't sing, you guys. It's too high. But it's Frozen, the song Frozen. And she's just staring and getting closer to the camera. And it's very disturbing. And maybe that's what she meant to do. Like, I always think that when I think people are smarter than me, I'm like, that's what they must have meant to do. Because it would break my heart if it was just them being stupid. Uh, and I'm not talking about this in terms of women's looks, per se. I want to make that really clear. I, I wanted to make that because it's so, you know, I put this Instagram thing up and so many people are like, oh, she looks like shit. Da, da, da. And I didn't mean it like she definitely looks weird, but I did. I didn't mean like, oh, but I meant Madonna as a whole and all of these moves she's done since and how people really are like this should be this beautiful moment in her career where she's just going to shows and accepting awards like time legacy awards. And instead, they're going to somebody like Jennifer Lopez no offense to Jennifer Lopez, but I I'm sorry. Like, Madonna meant so much more to this world at one point than Jennifer Lopez ever did. And I don't, that's not blasphemous, folks. That's the truth. And you just don't realize it's the truth because whoever represents Madonna has done a shit job of keeping her name into things. Like, truly a shit job. And also, Jennifer Lopez is way younger than Madonna, I think by like 15 years. But it really frustrates me because I believe we should have we should put some damn respect on Madonna's name. People like me shouldn't be fucking saying shit like this. But also she shouldn't be like, I mean, the, what is the last thing we even saw? We saw her roll, writhing around on the ground with Julia Fox and Kanye West. Remember when she popped up in that video and it just looked like she was on ecstasy and just like kind of writhing on people? And I was like, no, Madonna, no. Like, no, when it's time. Like, you always thought Madonna like knew better. She was like as sexy and as full of sex and wanting to push like taboos and stuff like that. You, you always, she always did it like in this weirdly classy way, you know, artistically. And I don't know. It just kind of seems like that's all gone. But as long as she's happy, but we just don't know. We don't know. You know, she uses social media in a very weird way. A lot of people use it to share every part of their existence. I mean, she, thank God she's not Addison Ray, but there is this mystery then of like, why are you doing this?
You know, Madonna wrote the uh, movie of her life with Diablo Cody, the one who won uh, the Oscar for Juno, uh, the movie Juno, and uh, they're casting that right now. Um, and it'll be interesting, you know, to see how Madonna. I mean, it's really dangerous when you write the movie of your life. Some would say that would probably not be a accurate movie, but it will be fascinating and uh, we'll, we'll see. So I, I wanted to talk about that. It's just something I think about Madonna so much because you want to, you know, the fascinating part about pop culture is you get to now look at it from a point A to point, you know, point B is that like, even like I was telling you about listening to Depeche Mode's entire catalog, you get to listen to their first album up to now. And that's what we do with Madonna. Now we have decades of things to like pull from, to study from. And you're just like, what an interesting way that you are choosing to not end your career because I think she has another, you know, good 15 years of working uh, and doing really cool projects. But I don't know. It's just weird. Uh, wow, this really went into so many different directions, but I I don't know. I like talking to you guys, so we just keep talking and talking and talking. I'm going to do a uh, commercial break right here, and then we will get into our interview with the one, the only, I think you're going to love her. Please do yourself a favor and listen to this, especially because Real Housewives of New Jersey is going to be airing tonight. And she does have a connection to Real Housewives of New Jersey. If you look her up, you can find out a little bit more because um, we talk uh, we talk around uh, a thing because I asked her to get be on this show. She was not begging me. This was not something. This is not somebody that's thirsty or anything like that. But her name is Vanessa Reiser, R E I S E R. Look her up right now. We're going to take a commercial break and then we'll come back and we'll start. Uh, I'll do my intro and we'll get right into it. Okay. Love you guys. Bye. Elevating my style used to mean breaking the bank, but with Quince, I get high end, versatile pieces at prices I can actually afford. Now I can upgrade my style by snagging killer luxury essentials that sync with my vibe and my wallet. You guys know I've got a blue linen blazer. Now I have a black leather jacket and I have my eye on this Italian suede trucker jacket. I think that's going to be my next purchase. So Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You're going to have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the must-haves, like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, iconic 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow-knit activewear. With all Quince items, everything is priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. How do you not love that? So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping and 365-day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. If you're a wine lover like me, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your unique preferences. To start, all you have to do is answer a few quick questions on their website about what flavors that I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red, white, or rosé, or a combination. Now, based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored. You guys, I have to tell you, I got a free shipment with them, but I kept my membership going because I liked it so much. I swear to God, I got this great Sangiovese. I got a Malbec. Uh, I did get a Rosé as well because I have a combination and I am loving it. 
Best of all, I get to choose when I want my box delivered and how often I get new assortments of wine. Being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has its perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order, so you can continue to order the ones that you love. So, join the club today with me and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash so good to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash so good. Tryfirstleaf.com slash so good. We'll be back to the show in just one second. Now is the part of this show that I love where we get to talk about our sponsors. And this week we have uh, we have a returning sponsor, and that's our friends at BetterHelp. I don't know if you guys were able to see my Instagram story this week where I talked about BetterHelp and what I think about therapy and mental health. But if you listen to this show, I think you know that it is very, very important to me. I have shared a lot of my journey, and I will continue always to do that. But... Um, I do want to talk a little bit about this one in terms of like stress is that you can actually our bodies will give us signals that something is wrong. Um, you know, people don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches or teeth grinding or even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. Uh, you know, and then of course you throw doom scrolling on your phone on top of that. We don't sleep enough or we sleep too much. We undereat or we overeat. There is so much stress happening out there for us right now. And especially as we get going back in the world, you know, we're seeing people that we haven't seen in a long time. We're doing things that we haven't done in a long time. And some of that's good, but a lot of that's so much pressure. I mean, think about that. Stress is a part of our daily lives and we do not know how to manage this stuff. What do I do? I go hiking, right? Like I take, I take my medicine or I take my vitamins or I work out because I care about how my body is. But what are we doing for our minds? Who is taking care of our minds? And that is where better help comes in. Um, stress shows up in all kinds of ways. And in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, grind all the time, this is your reminder. Ryan, I am telling you, uh, I'm telling myself actually to take care of yourself, do less and, and maybe try some therapy. Um, therapy is one of those things. It is a gem for the mind and there is not any kind of one size fits all solution. Sometimes you might need to find the right therapist. I've gone to therapists that did not work out for me personally, but you can't be discouraged. You keep going. You, every little step is a step forward. Um, and especially what I love about BetterHelp is that it's online even. You don't have to drive to someplace. You can start this process today. Um, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera. Uh, it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. That's the other big thing is that therapist, it's really an expensive process to take care of yourself. This helps a little bit with that cost. Um, give it a try. See if online therapy can help lower your stress because that's what it's all about. If we're less stressful, we're going to be able to enjoy our lives more. And that's what it's all about. I know this might sound like fluffy BS, but it isn't. I swear to God, you guys. And like I'm saying, like, don't even, our minds are going to lie to us. Don't listen to your mind saying no. Listen to me just saying, yeah, or just listen to me saying, try it. Try it for one month. That's it. Just try it. 
It's like signing up for a gym membership. Like you're going to feel better once you sign up, but it's the last thing you're going to want to do. So bad it's good. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash so bad. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash so bad. And guys, do me a favor. Just go to betterhelp.com slash so bad and check it out. You don't have to hit anything. You don't have to pay anything, but just see if it speaks to you. I hope it helps you, and I know it helps the show because we want to show them that you know we we have the listeners too, which we do. Um, but also, this is something that I actually really believe in. And if you do this, please share it with me, and I would love to share some stories on the show. So, without further ado, back to the remaining portion of our show. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS weird Lord of the Flies style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Tonight, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. Our next guest does a lot of important work. Vanessa Reiser is a mother, entrepreneur, life coach, advocate, and a groundbreaking psychotherapist specializing in narcissistic abuse using therapist self-declosure, TSD. It's a form of therapy where therapist statements are shared that reveal something personal about the therapist when an opportunity to create validation exists. Vanessa is licensed in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts and Florida and made international headlines when she ran the entire state of New York in a wedding dress to raise awareness for narcissistic abuse in May 2021. Her days are spent supporting those traumatized by the insidious form of domestic violence. So she is our guest today, guys. And uh, like I said, she does have a connection to Bravo. Hopefully you looked her up. Uh, with this show, I don't try to, I mean, I'm not looking to be salacious. I mean, I'm looking to entertain. I'm also looking like if there's something good that can come of this, that's amazing. But a lot of other people do the salacious stuff a lot better than I do. But what I was really curious about is to talk about narcissism, is to talk about this. Um, I have a lot, uh, I have a female audience. I have a lot of uh, mothers with children out there. And actually, this happens to men as well. But I think we need to know what the signs for uh, narcissistic abuse are 
are. We need to know uh, these so we can actually have healthy relationships. This can affect us all. So we had this really fascinating discussion, and we talk about pop culture things. We talk about Kanye West and Kim, and this isn't, uh, you know, it's not boring by any stretch of the imagination because she's really fun and funny too. I thought she was just great. And and I want to say is that uh, this is not salacious. And if I was to say something about Bravo and the people on these housewife shows is that I'm saying this is that hopefully none of this happens because these people that are with, you know, these quote unquote narcissistic abusers, I want these ladies to be happy, especially the one that I'm thinking of. Uh, you know, you, you know, we all care about her so much. We all think she's a legend of a housewife. And I think that's why people are so protective of her. Um, and it really comes from this really loving place, which, you know, I know narcissists hate, uh, when people try to protect uh, the person that they're trying to control. So anyways, let's get into this because Vanessa is a fascinating woman. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here she is, Vanessa Riser, and I will talk to you guys on Wednesday for Summer House. Bye. Three. Uh, welcome back to iHeartRadio. So bad it's good. Uh, today we have uh, a guest I followed on Instagram for a long time. Instagram being my favorite social media of choice. You actually get to learn from Instagram. It's not just... It's not just models, folks. It's not just me making dumb jokes. You can actually learn things. And our next guest is an expert in narcissistic abuse. Um, we're going to get into what that exactly means, what her qualifications are, but she's a therapist. She's a two-time Ironman ultra marathoner, which already sounds just painful for my knees. She ran across recently, I believe like a year and a half ago, New York state in a wedding dress to raise, a, raise awareness for narcissistic abuse. I need to find out about all of this stuff because right now, we see so many stories, I think, revolving around narcissistic abuse, and it's interesting because we want to know the signs to look out for. I, I know I have a primarily female audience, and I think this is such an important topic and something you ladies know full well. But for those who don't or things that you can pass down to your kids and stuff like that, I think this could be a really important interview. Vanessa Reiser, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um uh, I guess your business is booming right now. There seems to be a lot of narcissists out uh, out out there in the world. Well, also with COVID, right? So my <laughs> practice is called telehealth, um, and hence the teletherapist pun. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people struggling right now with a variety of different issues. But yeah, I specialize in narcissistic abuse. Now, is this something that you've done? Uh, was this your chosen profession from when you were younger? Did you, what got you into this? I actually got my master's at 42 um, from University of Southern California. Fight on. Were well, you telling me you're 42 years old? I, you're not in I'm your 30s. 48. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you did. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I, that's not me being a narcissist, is it? Is this is this love <laughs> no, bombing? No, no, Am no, I love no. bombing? <laughs> Maybe I'm gonna watch. Um, <laughs> but um, no, so it was not. I was working at the Jewish Board in the Bronx on the Bronx High School of Science, specializing in a different demographic, which was basically teen issues, adolescence. You know, kind of um, bullying, um, cyber bullying, eating disorders, um, suicidal ideation, clinical, um, issues around, um, uh, academic pressure. So those were things I was, you know, kind of involved in and very passionate about. Um, and while I did go to school for a macro approach in community organizing, 
I did fall in love with the clinical piece, but then I fell into a relationship that kind of catapulted me into um, this work now. And how long ago was that? That was like a d- decade ago or? About five years ago. Five years ago. Now, it, it, looking back, I mean, one of my big questions when I was, I mean, I've, I've, I have a lot of female friends and a lot of people, a lot of them talk about narcissists or dating a narcissist or something like that. And, you know, they always talk about it in terms of retrospect. In retrospect, I, you know, and I know these are like big questions that come out of the gate with, but like, what are these warning signs? Because I was even like, like, I mean, I know this sounds great, but I was like, what I've got to like, what, what, what signs do I even have as a narcissist? Like, you know, there's so many questions I have, but like coming on the other side of it, what were those signs that you wish you're like, I wish I had kept an eye out for this more in the beginning? Yeah. So, um, the cycle of abuse sort of, um, is this love bombing phase and then this tension building phase and then a fallout and then it begins and repeats again. So there's the love bombing. I'm so sorry. I did that to you the second time around the tension building, the fallout, the love bombing. So this is the cycle of abuse and it just goes and goes and goes. The ground zero for the narcissist, though, is the no empathy. So if you have a situation where you kind of have like either a sick dog or a sick kid or you have an injury or something occurs that sort of pops the bubble of this fantastical experience that they're living in, um, that can be an indicator. So, you know, sort of any reality check for them is really destabilizing. So if there's no empathy, or if you have the sense that they might be faking empathy, if it feels disingenuous, that's a red flag. Um, that's, uh, that's, that, uh, that's interesting. So does the narcissist almost live in their own fantasy world or does that even almost give them an excuse for their behavior? Because if you're like, well, you know, this person just doesn't know reality and it's okay. He just doesn't know. I mean, is it, or, or are they cognizant of their behavior? I mean, like what drives a narcissist to be a narcissist? A true narcissist knows what they're doing. Um, in fact, they are excited about it. And that's why we see so little change um, in their behaviors because they like the way they are they in some ways think that they're winning or they're ahead or they're getting over. So um, they would consider somebody with empathy to be kind of like weak. Um, So they kind of like the way they are. We see this in some political figures where they're sort of like, you know, you're, you're, you're just a peasant. You're nothing because you're weak because you have empathy. Something about this is something that they consider to be inferior. Yeah. Um, Yeah. How do you counsel somebody that has gone through this? Like, how do you rehab somebody, not the narcissist, because that's another question. Can a narcissist be rehab? But how do you counsel somebody that's gone through this kind of severe? I was watching uh, Phoenix Rising on HBO Max. It's a two-part documentary, you guys, about Evan Rachel Wood's journey with Marilyn Manson and the abuse she suffered at his hands. And it's very powerful, very intense. Um, I would recommend it, but it's very, you know, it really does go through the whole gamut. And she's talking about this is years later and she's still shaking and she's still going through this. How do you rehab somebody that's gone through this kind of trauma? Well, it's very much like a drug addiction. There's data now that suggests that you are basically going to have this trauma bond where you could have physical symptoms from this kind of, um, extrication from this mind control. So it's a very, very 
um, tricky. I do a lot of CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy, where we will actually build up your self-esteem. Oftentimes, in a very insidious fashion, the narcissist sort of chips away at who you are, kind of sucking your energy and removing, like, it almost feels like otherworldly, like your soul is getting, I mean, that's what a lot of my clients. Well, that's kind of bad. When you bring up soul, the bad vegan, he even brought in this whole other mystical in the box kind of thing, which we'll get to in in a bit. Yeah, that was extraordinarily end of the spectrum, really horrifying um, to watch that show because her experience was very also Stockholm syndrome. I felt very, very brokenhearted around the fact that her, I, I think, you know, her experience was um, radical in nature in terms of like who she is and the and who he was in terms of the opposite ends. She seems to be like, like primed for his, it, it was like the two worlds colliding in some ways, but it's, it's a really awful thing. I know when I, I I had a relationship like this. And when I did leave, I shook for nine days, like a drug addict, because I wanted that cycle of abuse, that cycle of abuse to go back into the love bombing stage. I need, you're so used to it. You're so used to that yourself. So, and you're not, and, and at that point, you don't even know to identify that that's the love bombing phase, right? Yeah, I had no idea what the hell was going on. I basically got my PhD on TikTok. I had no idea. Oh, that's what was not going that, on. let's not admit that. Let's not admit we got our PhD on TikTok. No, 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 no. We're good. We got PhD at a real university. Um, uh, um uh God, this is this is just such a fascinating topic. So pardon me if I'm all over the map here because I just have so many questions about this. Is uh I guess what I was just saying too is that you know, my mom tells me to look for the good in everybody and that nobody's evil or not, or, or, you know, people do evil things, but people aren't inherently evil. Are narcissists inherently evil in your opinion? And like I I was kind of mentioning earlier, can you get rehab for this? Can you admit you have a problem? Is it like a drug addict where it's like, I am powerless over my wanting to control people or do they even deserve that sympathy? Great question. I, uh, what I've always been sort of, I was raised by hippies. I'm like a raging liberal feminist. And I similarly, as certainly as a social worker, always thought people could, you know, be rehabbed. And when I went through this experience, it really changed me. Um, there are some really great debates like the death penalty and abortion and when's a baby, a baby, and when should stop an eye for an eye. There are some really great debates. This is probably, um, pretty well up there, but I will say this did change my view. Um, I do now think people are can be fairly evil, and it's only having gone through this portal of sorts that I'm kind of like, holy shit, because I just was very naive to it, um, and I consider myself to be very bright and um, strong, so I don't think I necessarily fit the profile of somebody that you might could think would get victimized. Um, but I think that it, it did, it did change me. And I am concerned that people need to actually realize that there are people who are, um, it's a level of psychopathy, right? So Ted Bundy was, you know, unassuming and, you know, notoriously, um, psychopathic. And so a lot of people who are, let's say, you know, poets, priests, and politicians who might write in your community, seemingly, you know, philanthropic characters are rather dangerous. I always find it interesting that people that tend to be like really like strong narcissists are always like good looking people, people that are like people that wouldn't really need like people that would like just 
would fall into good relationships really just by being themselves. Like they have already have so many advantages, you know, and they still, they're like, that's not enough. I need yeah. to control. Like I need to fully control. And I find that weird of like, do you, you know, in, in your research and you're studying, you know, what I, I used to read books about serial killers and things like that. And like, you know, there's always a common theme of like, you know, their parents or this or that, what are the common traits like that creates a narcissist? There are different theories. Um, one that I find particularly interesting as of late is the concept of intergenerational trauma. Um, and so there are now, you know, studies sort of showing us that trauma can kind of continue on in your lineage, which is really interesting because the demographics of the highest narcissistic rates are actually in the African-American community. Um, which I was really pissed to hear because I was like, oh, I'm going to go back to my roots in high school and date a nice black guy. And then I was like, Shit. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I got concerned about it and it's, it's just a silly little thing to mention, but I am, I am really interested in intergenerational trauma. Um, what does that mean? And then you also asked me if, um, you know, people can be rehabbed and I yeah. would answer that with yes. Um, but we would measure it in millimeters versus miles. And it would be more of like an inpatient experience, right? So we have these sex addiction um, rehab centers and things like that, where you're kind of really, really going to lean into the therapy like all day, every day. And the reason why that's the closest thing I think we have to like a narcissist recovery would be that actually the definition of sex addiction is addiction to attention. Um, and that is exactly what the narcissist is addicted to. Is so that almost goes so, hand in hand a little bit with yeah. uh, the intense sex and narcissism. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so narcissists, when people ask me, are they, are they always addicts? I say yes, because you know, people think addiction is only, you know, some kind of substance, but really they're addicted. All of them are addicted to attention. Uh, can women be narcissists as well? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Very underreported. Um, I have a lot of clients that come to me with narcissistic mothers, um, and their father is, you know, does nothing about it kind of scenario. So I hear this a lot. So that it absolutely, I think it's very underreported. Uh, what's the difference between a narcissist and a sociopath, or is it the same thing? Uh, the narcissist is wickedly con concerned about the optics, right? So there's this, like, I need to how see it looks, how it looks, um, there also tends to be something rather nuanced around the empathy piece, which is basically the sociopath more so enjoys your pain. The narcissist is more so indifferent to your pain. So there's, and to me, that's too nuanced. I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't like the way that is, but that's kind of where it sits. Yeah. I mean, like can a narcissist, like, like, uh, working towards my sociopath degree, like I'm like at a narcissist, <laughs> but if I really push hard, I can get to the sociopath at some point. Um, yeah. Do you watch, do you watch reality shows you watch? I mean, that's, I, I know we follow each other on Instagram I and do. sometimes yes. you like my stuff, which I imagine that means you watch some of this stuff. Have you always been into reality shows or is this just recently? Yes. 
Yes, I am not necessarily proud to admit it, but there it is. No, 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 no. Come on. We got to be proud of this. Stuff. this stuff <laughs> provide, by the way, this is a, I've been, I'm reading this book right now, which is, it's, it's such a sociological experiment. This does hold a, it's like a very intense mirror, but it holds a mirror on steroids up to these things that we see in real life. So as ridiculous as these shows get, there's always some underlying truth uh, or, or scene or behavior that we've gone through, or we've seen somebody else go through. And that's why I think these shows truly are special and something that we never have to apologize for but what were your favorites uh what was your favorite reality show what, what was the one that got you started off into watching um i've watched a lot of the housewives i remember specifically when um Teresa went to prison i actually cried for her kids i felt really really that bad is such a yeah. uh, it's such a it's such a she's been through such an intense journey and you just hope that everything is going to wind up good for her, that she learns at some point. And, and we've seen it. I mean, that's, you know, these people are like our family too, you know, like even with their kids, we watch their, like, I was like, man, I feel like I'm like an uncle for some of these people and they have no idea who I am. Um, mm -hmm. One of my first examples of, uh, I remember, because I've watched these shows since day one, which I know is weird, but was Vicki Gunvalson and Brooks. Do you remember Real Housewives of Orange County? There was yes. Gir Girth Brooks and Vicky, and he would like what I think is love bombing. I'm not sure, but he would write her a card every day. He would fill up her love tank. He would say how amazing, how, and it turned out to be he was kind of a, allegedly a liar. He faked cancer. He did all of these things. Is that an example of a narcissist? You know, as while I can't diagnose him, I um I see what everybody else sees in terms of. Um, this attention seeking kind of victim perspective, which um, sometimes the narcissist will do is play the victim. So um, while I can't diagnose him, I understand why everybody sees that piece. Yeah. Um, did you ever watch that storyline? Because it was really fascinating. Yeah. I um, mean, the most, again, the most disturbing part was I think when, uh, what is her name? Brienne, the, the Brienne, Brienne, her the daughter. daughter. Yeah. Yeah. When she was trying to, you know, kind of get mother away from that mind control. So like we, you know, we talk a lot about um, cults and the narcissist being the same thing. So if you know anything about a narcissist, you know, everything you need to know about a cult and vice versa. So it's that mind control that we're kind of trying to shine a light on in my work and really get people to realize that they're in, they're kind of in the grips of basically, you know, this um, controlling and confusing environment that the narcissist creates. So through their lies and manipulation, um, you get sucked into it. And, and it was, it's painful to watch the damage that's caused between the other interpersonal relationships that are authentic and loving and all of the things they're supposed to be. But that's what they do is they very systematically um, fracture all of the relationships around. And that's the, the most heartbreaking part, I think, in some ways. Yeah. Phoenix Rising, that the documentary, you guys, I was just talking to you about, about Marilyn Manson, that was part of it was, you know, he kind of systematically went through her friend group and her family and cut her off from all of these people. And, and it, it, you know, it's almost like this us against the world kind of thing because like nobody understands you like I do and nobody's going to love you like I do. Um, was your own experiences similar to that? Were you uh, shut out from family and friends and, and, and do they make it seem like that's your choice? Yeah, I think in some ways it was my choice. I was 
you know, totally mind control. I subscribed to it. I was like, um, nobody does understand me. I mean, I was hook, line and sinker. I was not, I'm, you know, I'm not proud of a lot of my behaviors. And I think we saw that with uh, Mark Vincente from the Nexium cult, where he was um, also recruiting people. Um, and now, you know, has subsequently decided to make it his mission to kind of shine a light on this as I'm doing, but you know, you, you, you're well-intentioned. I, I think partly I, pushed people out of my life because of what I was hearing, you know, kind of on the side, but that others who knew what he was would also remove themselves. So I would say about 50% I pushed out and the other 50 wanted nothing to do with it. So I ended up (laughs) so low. (laughs) Have you been able to repair a lot of those relationships since? Um, no, I think it was a gift. Yeah, I think the universe was also showing me um, who was going to be true. So what I really mean by that is I really have a zero tolerance policy for um, victim blaming. So even with myself, I demand like you have to forgive me because I, I just feel like I was in a different universe. So and I would never victim blame or judge anybody that went through that and even pushed me away. I would I would think of myself as being bigger than that based on what I know in terms of my studies to understand that what they're going through. Um, and sometimes it can be really challenging, but um, yeah, I just have that as a general rule that this mind control stuff until we can get a hand on it. Um, it's, you know, I might move away from it. We see this with a lot of the political groups and cults that are going on. I may move away from it, but I try to remain above it and understand what's going on. Isn't it funny that we have so much like uh, awareness, so many cameras on us, so many, so many opportunities to learn yet. It still seems to be getting worse and worse. You know, like where there's like, you know, with acts like dating apps, all of this stuff, it seems like I hear about this more now than I ever have. Or is this always just been this intense, but we actually get to see it now because we're all holding like mini screens in our hands 24 seven. I think it's always been around. I know Freud famously walked away from treating psychopaths and narcissists because they don't change. So I know it's been around forever. I think actually the good news is we're putting a name to it and deciding. I love the idea that we're giving it a clinical name. I happen to hate the clinical name, right? So What's, I hate narcissism. The clinical name is? Nor- narciss- narcissism to me is just a sexy word. It doesn't really identify just how dangerous it is. And then we have antisocial, which is the you know the new word for sociopath. But antisocial sounds like- Wait, antisocial is the new word for sociopath? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know. Wow. Now you mentioned Freud. Yeah. He's in Vanderpump Rules, right? Freud. What, that's no, no, no. Um, uh, uh, getting out of the abuse yourself or or your abuser. Uh, two questions: If they called you tomorrow, would they still be able to have some sort of control over you? Would they still be able to get to you immediately with a word or a look or something like that? No, but I think why is because they are rather malignant. There's certainly a spectrum here. So we see um, like a less malignant or more benign narcissist is a little bit um, more victim focused and they can be, they can have like a, a better ability to Hoover because they're not as scary in some ways. So some of the more benign narcissists you might spend 20, 30 years with and not even realize. So I actually prefer the more malignant one because you could see that asshole coming a mile away. But 
Um, the more benign ones, I think have like a higher recidiv, like they come around more and they, and people will be more welcoming to them because they're not as scary. Um, so I think it depends on the spectrum where they sit on the spectrum. May I ask how you, uh, escaped your, uh, abuser or how, how that part of your life ended? Cause you said you, you know, 10 days after you were shaking, what was that? Was that, it makes it sound like it was an escape. It was, I actually did. Um, my girlfriend, uh, Natalie, who's in the other room right now in the Peloton. What up Natalie? <laughs> she, um, she is also an Ironman, but she, she I came to the house and I said, I have to go now because I knew I would be roped back into the cycle if and get love bombed again, if I didn't just run, like I knew it was like one of those things where I was just like, go. Um, and I did. And it was, um, really, 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 really hard. It, it's taken me close to two years to really recover from that. Um, I feel like it was almost like a, like a brain injury of sorts. It sounds very, uh, well, that's what I was thinking because you're, I mean, that's what I was also wondering. Is there a shame that you carry around too, or that a lot of victims carry around? I know we don't victim blame, but is there a lot of like, how did I let myself, like, I've even been in situations like that where two years later, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I literally thought it was me and the world. Like, like I, I literally, I would have done anything for this girl. I would have done any, like, and, and then you realize you're like, oh, that's so weird. She has problems with everybody in her life. And I thought it was, everybody was against her when you realize and you're sucked into this and you, you, you're like, I would have done anything. And I, mm-hmm. I, I sometimes feel shame about that because it's like, I, I was, it was so unlike me. Is that, was, is that common for victims? It's very common. Um, I try to help my clients step into their power though, and not spend too much energy there. It doesn't add any value because the narcissist will take attention from anything, anywhere, anyone, any animal, any creature. And so they're not really looking for you. It's not to be personalized. It's just that your boundaries weren't strong enough. So I think that we, you know, that's where we end up landing is talking a lot about boundaries, but there, there's nothing to personalize because it's, they're just, they're just throwing out of, they're just throwing out, you know, lines and whoever grabs that's, that's what happens. Now, what is the, what is good love and what is bad love? Cause we talk about love bombing and sometimes it's like, yo, it's sometimes nice to get like a really nice text, which I think obviously sucks you in, but like, what's a real text. That's nice. How do we decipher what's real and what's not? Because sometimes you are in love with a person. You want to tell them that they're the sun and the moon and all of this stuff, you know, and, and it's actually comes from a real place. What is, how do we determine what's real and what's not real? And, and can we be romantic in this day and age realistically? Yeah. I think if somebody tells you that, you know, that you're their soulmate in a week, uh, (laughs) Um, so you might, you know, you might be flirty and fun and playful and romantic and very loving, and you don't have to use things like, you know, I want you to have my baby or, and I want to marry you. And, you know, you are my soulmate. I've never met anyone like you, you're the love of my life. And it's like, you know, I've known you for, you know, three weeks. So take it easy. And I think also, you know, I don't think people should take their time. I actually don't think you should take your time. I think what you should do is push buttons. You should see what people can sort of tolerate, say the word no to someone and see how they react. Um, but Vanessa, isn't so that think- dangerous too, though, to push, like, aren't you then creating issues? And then is that, I mean, you're, you're almost like testing. I mean, I know I'm trying to like, 
testing a relationship, isn't that like kind of under a false guise anyways, then on, on your part. And it's, but I guess it's necessary, necessary. I mean, saying no to somebody and, you know, in a way as a means to assess for psychopathy is something that I celebrate. (laughs) I love that. You're like potentially with a guy with like, Hey, you passed. I was just assessing your psycho. Uh, I was just assessing you. Like that's you passed. Good job. <laughs> I mean, that's where we're at. So that's that. No, but that really truly is where we're at. Like that's, and that sucks to like, we all kind of have to walk around with like alerts on about who we are getting into relationships, who we are sharing with. Um, uh, have you always, uh, this is a little off topic or maybe it's not like, have you always been an Iron Man? Like, have you always been like, are you always been really active? Cause I need to know why you ran across New York in a wedding dress. I need to know Mm -hmm. all, like, I mean, is health and fitness always been something that you've been intensely into? I was a fat teenager. Um, and so like Jackie Goldschneider, when she's talking about her eating disorder, I can completely relate. I had a very, very bad eating disorder for years. Um, and, you know, Iron Man's probably part of that, sort of that obsessive working out. So these are, we all have our demons. So running across the state of New York <laughs> in a way is part of my demons. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely, um, I'm obsessed with working out. I love that kind of uh, high and it is my addiction. So I, I you know, we're none, we're none of us are perfect, but um, yeah, I, I, in my adult years, I am um, rather into fitness. Yeah. And the, the wedding dress thing was to get attention to actually be able to speak more about narcissistic abuse. Is that correct? Yeah, because the wedding is something that the narcissist exploits. So this sort of fantastical, you know, this is going to be this dream date. Um, and this is going to, you know, and we sort of fall for that. So that was kind of um, just a symbol of something that they would exploit. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, were, were you happy with uh, with that project in a way? Like, were you ha- like, you know, because you did actually raise a lot of awareness. And I, I did read some critics that were like, oh, she just wants attention or something like that. How did you handle that kind of stuff? Because you're like, I'm doing this for a good thing. Like, and because yeah. sometimes we need to do things that actually shake things up that actually get attention because so much is happening in the world. Um, were you happy with how everything went? Yeah, I was thrilled. It was very transformative in my own life in terms of healing, like spending the hours out there just with the music and the sunshine and like just getting my head on straight. Um, And I tend to be very goal oriented. So it was really kind of a cool experience. But yes, I could see that people were um, not only feeling validated, but also validating me. It was very kind of surreal. And I think it was important for a lot of millions of silent victims that have children with these people who can't speak out. Um, you mentioned Phoenix rising and, and Evan Rachel Wood talking about this sort of like, you know, she's in court and that what they do is they kind of punish you or flex around you speaking out in the judicial system. And it it's really unfortunate that people are not able to tell and speak their truth. And I, you know, I still have some issues in the courts that I, I go through and it is um, it's troubling. I know Gretchen Carlson did a lot when it came to um, non-disclosures and she's and opened up. Yeah. A, yeah. So it's important that people be able to speak. I mean, we live in a, f- you know, a free society where you should be able to speak your truth. 
Um, but yeah, that was important that I do that because I thought I was kind of like on the front lines and I had a voice and I had to do something because I didn't, I don't have children with him and I don't have that vulnerability where I could potentially be crushed. I know there were other things that were getting, he was trying to crush, but I just felt like I had to, like, it was like, all right, here we go. I guess I'm going to be, I'm going to be this bitch. And here it is. And it was, I, it's, it, you know, it was worth it. Yeah. Would you recommend to anybody to run in a wedding dress? Would you recommend that for me? Like, is that a, just is that also an added <laughs> Is it I an added bonus for strength training? I, like, what, what I, do we have a do we have a line of Vanessa running wedding outfits? Like, what is is there something that's come out of this? <laughs> no, no. Um, but I do recommend it uh, highly. Ten out of ten. It was very, very uh, fun and kind of quirky. And I think that's one of the things I really do like about the Bravo universe is like a lot of uh, well, not a lot. Some of the people who do the podcast, like yourself, are. Um, really clever and funny. I mean, the, I watched that watch what crappens the other day. Are those, those, are those guys great? Yeah. Ronnie and I ben, yeah. was howling. I mean, some of the, you know, the comments, you just race into the, com- some of the things are just brilliantly funny. So, yeah, no, I mean, those guys are the best at what they do. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I find it so awesome that, you know, the fans of this show or the people that like create things around these shows, such smart people, such funny people, such people with empathy too, which I think is that's where a lot of humor can come from is like, you know, I, I can be a depressive person at times. Like the way I choose to look at the world is through like a, a comic lens. It actually helps me mm-hmm. process things. Or even like, you know, I watched Bad Vegan, which is a four-part series I talked about multiple times this week on Netflix, which I highly recommend you guys uh, with a, a, a lady named Sarma who is was so talented, ran one of the raw, uh, one of the most, if not the most popular raw vegan food places in all of New York and the world, and then got taken in by, I think, a sociopath, not even a narcissist, a gentleman that she met on Twitter that had been kind of going back and forth with Alec Baldwin, which I think is never a good sign, but she liked Alec Baldwin. So and this is the person I said, because of this, Alec got with, um, uh, uh, what's, what's, um, Alaria. Alaria. Yeah. So anyways, the, this is so fascinating because you see, like, he also said he was wearing a meat suit because he was a lot heavier than his pictures. And he said that was part of it, but he made this fantastical story up, but he really over the process of, I don't know how long of a time got her so to believe this. Like it almost didn't even seem like she was in love with him at all, but there was this definite control. Uh, what was your take on watching Bad Vegan? Did you believe Sarma's story as well? I mean, like, because the end of that, I want to talk to you about as well, because they they put this, stu- like, they put this message at the end of her talking to her abuser in 2019, which was very unclear of what this audio was about, but they put it in of like a what if kind of a thing. And I thought it almost ruined the first three parts of the document it almost kind of threw it all out because i thought she actually went through what i t- i was like i can see exactly how this happened for her what were your opinions on all of this yeah uh, that was horrifying to see how netflix did her dirty at the end there i mean they almost like perpetuated the cognitive dissonance that one actually experiences because it was confusing to well, like made her seem like she was in on it you know, it's like you set up all of this stuff with like, this is what a narcissist does. This is what a sociopath does. This is how you get into it. This is how like all of this stuff, like they see her go through, like, you know, she becomes frail and like, you know, she's, I mean, all she throws away her whole life basically for this guy and for this promise of an afterlife and this fantastical story. And then at the very end, I feel like they throw it all out the window with this voice message, which we don't get to know the 
we don't need, we don't get to know any of the surrounding things of that voicemail. If you guys have seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but we have no context. So it all, all of a sudden ruin, uh, not ruins, but it really throws out a lot of the first three parts of this documentary, which takes us through how somebody gets involved with an abuser. And I think that's why it's so important to sort of fuse the concepts of narcissistic abuse and cult recovery, because if we don't get serious about understanding mind control, right? What was that show recently they did on social media? Um, there was some movie where they kind of showed like Facebook and you know like how it's all like catered to you and it makes you feel. Like yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but the idea being is that we're we live in a, a situation or a society where we don't talk enough about mind control and how kind of we're being, you know, there's puppeteers and how we could all fall victim to things like this. You're looking at with Sarma's case, a very severe instance, but she was basically mind controlled fully. I mean, you might as well just envision tiny little circles in her eyes, like the cartoons when we were kids where she was just totally freaking hypnotized. So it's important that we really fuse those concepts. It's like she's in her own individual cult. Yeah. Now you've actually had a little contact with Sarma. I noticed you guys follow each other on Instagram. Uh, did that relationship just happen because of the work that you do? Yeah, I reached out to her, um, you know, and I let her know that I would be in support of her uh, in anything. Cause I, it was crystal clear to me that she was going to be victim blamed. And I told you, I just don't do that shit. And I'm, yeah, by the I, way, I, I, I posted a, like, I, you know, I look at it through a comic filter. So I posted something on Instagram and saying like, she, the real crime is she's responsible for introducing Alaria and Alec. And, you know, it's I think it's a pretty obvious joke, whatever. But, you know, and some people in the comments were and you were really getting into it with people in the comments. And I try to ignore a lot of negative or I'll just block or I'll go on, you know, like I try not to because I'll like kind of spiral on stuff like that. But you were like getting into it. I noticed with a couple of people that I think I ended up blocking. But do you have to stop yourself sometimes from like, or yes. you like, I'm going to yes. scream from the mountaintops as hard. I'm going to be on Instagram all day, you know? Sometimes I have to take off my cape. You know what I'm saying? It's hard. <laughs> but I get like really superhero about it. Like I'm like Joan of Narc over here. You know what I mean? Like I get very like heady with it. But, you know, I have my own trauma that I can become dysregulated. So, you know, but it's it's really it's really triggering to watch people um, and, you know, you know, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of systemic racism, actually. It's like, if you don't know what you're talking about, then just shut up. You just don't know what you're talking about. Like everybody behind the keyboard has something to say. Like I wouldn't sit there and run my mouth to somebody who is a black person telling them how they should feel about their experience. Oh, right. So I mean, they, we don't listen in this society anymore, really. Right. And, it, you know, we just, we are given all these opportunities to tell our opinion, you know, and like Twitter, like almost gives you like a degree. Like, it's like, well, they let me say whatever I want. Why can't I, you know, it's really this unhealthy thing. Cause I always try to like tell people like, this is, I'm, I'm joking most of the time. And, and if I'm, you know, like take everything, anybody, including myself says with a grain of salt, you know, like you've got to really protect yourself out there and like use your own filters to disseminate all the information coming at you. You know, even with this, it's like, where do we go to learn more about narcissistic abuse? Where do we go to learn of like what to do, what not to do? I noticed on your Instagram, there are a lot of uh, slides and things like that about, you know, what to do and stuff like, you know, but how do we arm ourselves or protect ourselves when we're out there in the dating world or falling in love? 
Well, I mean, there's a couple of like go-to people that have made a name for themselves. Dr. Romani is sort of like the go-to around narcissistic abuse. She recently did a red table talk with Jada Pinkett Smith. And she um, rather astutely said, all domestic violence is narcissistic abuse. All domestic violence is narcissistic abuse. And it was where, when I did the Gretchen Carlson interview, Gretchen kind of married the statements and she referred to it as narcissistic domestic abuse. And I feel like we're getting closer and closer to understanding um, how these concepts are all interrelated. Um, Your present day, if I'm allowed to ask, are you able to date? Are you, or, I mean, are you able to actually trust and feel love and stuff like that? Or is it going through so many barriers and so many alarms going off at every time? Like if, if, if somebody gets into a relationship with you, is it really an uphill battle? Are you able to enjoy it at all still? Yeah. I, the good news is I'm not broken. Uh, I, I've definitely, you know, I'm not destroyed. I, I am. I totally, and that's not even do with relationships. I'm just broken in general. Like that's just, um, but you know, I have certain things that I pick up on that are kind of probably very subtle. So I might could see even an inconsistent statement as something that would be troubling to me. Because yeah. the narcissist does this thing where they kind of are inconsistent and they will kind of like be like a crab when they communicate. So they'll shuffle over here and shuffle over there. And then, you know, this is like the, you know, the beginnings of gaslighting is sort of this like, I'm going to be inconsistent with my statement. So I, I'm very in tune. And I suppose um, I need probably to meet somebody who is, who is insightful and similarly kind of expressive and, and meaningful and purposeful in their communication. I could not really do somebody who didn't do any work on themselves. Would you ever consider going to a men's beach camp, like a warrior camp at all? Would that ever be a thing to work on yourself? Um, other than P town, which I very much love where there are just, you know, naked men everywhere. No, <laughs> um, uh, uh, we've got about like, I think uh, like 15 more minutes here. I, I wanted to bring up Kanye really quick. Cause he's been in the news a lot with Kim Kardashian. Also, I just, I, I keep thinking about this in terms of your accomplishments and, uh, I keep bringing up Evan Rachel Wood and it's just so funny. The, how we treat women um, standing up for themselves or trying to like, you know, it's like, we, we keep such a watchful eye, even in these circumstances, you know, it's like, we let sometimes these abusers go like Marilyn Manson's still able to be able to get into relationship, do whatever. And there's so many women that have come forward and said, this is what happened. It's the same pattern of abuse. And we almost put more of a suspecting eye on the woman. We almost like, like, you know, and I just want to let, I was the one that's bothered Vanessa for months to come on this show. Like this wasn't like a, like, like this was not a thirsty thing. This was not a, but it isn't it's interesting that no, but isn't it interesting that we sometimes like, oh, women just want attention. Women just want this. And I'm like, wait a second. We're, we're, I, cause I saw it again happen with the Kim Kanye stuff where it was like, people were like, well, Kim deserves this because I don't like her. You know, like Kim deserves the behavior that Kanye is exhibiting on social media, literally calling her out to millions and millions of people of like, well, she, you know, 
she has like bad beauty practices and is, you know, influenced people. So she deserves this. I'm like, it's really funny. We as a society, how we treat women in these situations, we almost become this weird judge and jury for these situations. Yeah. I think that that's particularly interesting because I mentioned earlier that I don't fit the profile. So when people see someone like me, who's kind of piss and vinegar, they just imagine, oh, she must have done something. I mean, look at her. She's strong as could be. She doesn't fit the profile. She's not crying in the corner. She doesn't look like, you know, and similarly, the narcissist doesn't generally look like a monster. So I think you have to kind of, you know, you have to, the it's not, everything is not necessarily what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if like a, as a narcissist, I wonder if you're like a great accomplishment. Like you're like, I got props for breaking her down. Like she did not seem like, the <laughs> like I really did it. Like that's uh, huge for me. This is going to look great on my LinkedIn abuser resume, you know? <laughs> yeah. I suppose, you know, in some ways, I don't know um, what it's a gross, you know, thing to imagine, but I suppose that that could very well be true. Um, I, what, I mean, I know you can't diagnose, but what are we seeing with the Kim Kanye stuff? I mean, what are you okay, like? So, uh, uh, are you, um, you're I aware mean, of all the messages he was sending and calling out Pete yeah, Davidson. You know, and, I used to like him because I identify as an angry black man. That's just how <laughs> I am. Um, but he clearly now, again, in retrospect, when he was when he went and he took Taylor Swift's microphone and he had to like ruin her moment. Right. That would be a very narcissistic move. So that was horrifying. And then now we're seeing him with and again, I cannot diagnose him. We're seeing the post separation abuse that he's um, been practicing. Um, and while we may not love Kim right? We don't have to love her to, to be able to identify a pattern in his behavior. So that's why I think people need to, you know, it doesn't have to be so polarizing. You don't have to love her to see that she's being victimized. This is post-separation abuse, clearly. Again, I can't die. And this is so public too, but this is so public. I mean, this is like, this isn't hidden. This is right out for all of us to see. And it's very interesting because, uh, you know, everybody's now giving like, well, nothing bad's going to happen. It's fine. No, 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 no. And we keep kind of making these excuses for this really out. Like if I was doing this, I like my mom would slap the shit out of me. If she like came and I was like, like, you know, she's barely tolerating of what I talk about. Bravo people. Like, I can't imagine like a real person that I was involved romantically with. If I was calling them out on social media, it just seems like we're all kind of watching this and it's been calm this week. But for me to even say it's been calm this week is, you know, it's not like the, the seas, like, you know, the seas were calm this week. You know, this is, this is celebrity. This is all of this stuff, but it leads to this other question. And I kind of bring Brooks and Vicky into this of why would a narcissist go on TV knowing that so many people could see their pattern of abuse? Like, it almost leads me to like, is it, does it mean they don't know they're a narcissist? And they just like, well, I guess these are just bad traits of mine. Why would they do that? Knowing that it's so open now that we're all watching that if he or she makes one false move, we're all on his ass. How dare you treat somebody that we've grown up watching on a reality show in a poor way. And if it does turn, we're all on your ass. What would possess somebody to do that? That's the question I keep I asking. love this question because I'm going to, again, while I cannot diagnose, we saw I can Donald, diagnose. Trump. Donald, Donald Trump had a perfect life. He had a great life. They would write, you know, rap songs about him. And he was yeah. you know, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And the narcissist is insatiable. There's not enough sex, drugs, food, money, power, uh, 
yeah, there's just not enough. There's a hole in the bucket. So, you know, while he had a perfect life, it just was not enough. It's just, they are insatiable. I know I'm a huge Howard Stern fan and Howard would always constantly talk about it. Yeah. yeah, I actually I carried a flat Ronnie across the finish line of the. Boston yes, Marathon. yes. I he, I didn't he mention it on the show. Yeah, oh, um, but I, I'm a huge Stern fan. But anyway, so he talks about it all the time and he talks about how, like, you know, he had a great life and it was just he went too far. So we see this actually quite a bit. This is kind of standard that they don't understand because there's this fantasy you know, everything is going to look like this. It's going to look like that. And then they get there. It's like, oh, my God, I, you know, I went too far. Yeah. So he, uh, you know, they might not even know the situation that they've gotten themselves into. It's not, it's not like, uh, it's not cognizant of, well, this is my biggest challenge yet. It's not like David Blaine doing a magic trick. Like, look how big I'm going now. <laughs> well, because it was yeah. interesting on, on, on bad vegan, the, the, uh, the jerks, uh, former wife, was like when they got arrested, she was like, look at him. He hit the big time. Like got took a big, you know, like it was almost yeah. like, wow, he really went up in his, you know, narcissism. Like that's, it was almost like this kind of like, look at him go. Wow. It's, he really managed to take somebody <laughs> down of note, you know? It's so interesting, but like, that's what happens is they just go too far. So it's very standard actually that they would just, because their whole thing too is I'll just, you know, I'll find my way out of this. I'll do something and I'll just, you know, to, I'll change the narrative. I'll get an attorney. I'll fix it. I'll, you know, they kind of will think like after the fact that they'll just do something to get themselves out of trouble. So they're not Are really they, thinking long term. I wonder what their inner, 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 behavior or like i mean is there are they constantly on a state of panic are they constantly or is it is it very calm inside like i just wonder what those attributes are like because i would think this would be so hard to keep this stack of cards going especially you know we're seeing in certain situations on a reality show where there's such a documentation of behavior you know there's such a and i guess the other question is well um okay so maybe this guy is not great with all of these other relationships. In fact, really bad, you know, legally things have happened at certain points. Um, but did he finally find his one true love? Is this the one, I mean, can a narcissist like, well, this is the healing love. This is the one, like, is that even possible? No, narcissists don't love. They don't experience love. They love you as a utility. So it's like, they love you the way they would use, they would love like a washing machine. Like you're good for the purpose that they're using you for whatever that might be, but they don't experience love, which is particularly painful for the children of narcissists to come to learn. So we have to tread in my practice, that topic very carefully because they don't experience that. Um, And what makes it really a slippery slope in our society and others is that they don't have empathy, right? So that's the whole problem. That is the ground zero. And we only exist because of empathy. So the crying baby starts to fuss. You pick up the baby. Why? Because you're like, oh, little baby, don't be sad. That looks like it sucks, right? Whatever that <laughs> moment is, that's your empathy kicking in. Yeah. And that's where this all begins. But they are sans empathy. They are not going to experience love or empathy the way a normal functioning person does. Well, I have a certain uh, scroll that says that nurses can love 20 specific reasons. So, but um, uh, so as we wrap up here, 
if somebody's getting into a relationship, somebody's on the dating apps right now, they meet somebody special, girl or guy, what are the immediate signs? So like, you know, so love bombing is when you're saying like, we're soulmates in the first week. I'm writing you paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of like the, the best things that you could possibly hear in your life, which I imagine is really attractive because we all want to be a part of something. We all want to be loved, right? Like, so what are other warning signs besides love bombing that we should be on the lookout for? Lying. Um, so if you catch somebody in a lie, future faking is something where they're kind of like giving you this idea of like very, very future talk very fast. Um, any isolation that you might could feel. Um, I remember having like feelings of shame. There were things that I would be made to feel shameful about that were sort of, you know, inconsequential, um, anxious gaslighting. So if you find yourself in very circular conversations where you're kind of going around the same talk topic over and over and over again. Um, that's a red flag inconsistency, um, uh, strange kind of, um, practices in intimacy. So sometimes they have a problem with intimacy or they're overly sexed, um, people that are rather insecure. So they themselves don't have any friends other than transactional um, so oftentimes like coworkers or subordinates are their only, um, you know, interpersonal relationships. So no, you know, normal, I mean, because they always have flying monkeys. They have these, so the family members might could just be buzzing around, but you're looking for real authentic friendships. If they don't, if they don't have that, that's a red flag. Um, I mean, also I know is part of it, like being really acting like they're overly working on themselves. Like I'm into positivity. I'm into this. I'm into this. And, and you got to listen, you got to listen, you got to open. I'm going to tell you how to do this. You know, is that a warning sign as well? Yeah, I think that is a great point. They tend to be on a, like, like a preacher pulpity kind of podium um, experience that tends to be something that they practice. Yeah. Very much like a, like a, a pitch. They're doing a sales pitch. And they don't mind bald face lines. No, it, they it don't. Doesn't, I mean, it seems like. Yeah, it could even be totally delusional. We, I mean, they confabulate. They'll fill in the blanks with like, and that's what's so tricky is it's so insidious because there's peppers of like truth in there. So you're like, I don't know what's happening. So th- those moments of I don't know what's happening are a red flag. <laughs> even if there's proof out there, like there's documentation out there on some of these people, and it just doesn't seem to matter because their word is stronger than documentation, which this is like such a weird place to live in i would i would you know what that reminds me of it's like if you go through your partner's phone and you find out they're having an affair and then they're like well why were you going through my phone yeah it's like you're how dare you that's a personal thing that i do damage on and you're yeah that's that's gaslighting so (laughs) um well vanessa this was amazing i could keep talking about like because this there's unfortunately so much to talk about when it comes to this this kind of abuse how do we support you how do we like what what can we do like how do we how do we support what you're doing and the work you're doing um i mean or or i don't know how it works like could you be our therapist if we need one like (laughs) how do we how do we get help 
Yeah. So I am licensed in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Florida. Those are the good ones. Those are the four good licenses to have. I, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think I'm going to stop there. It's becoming very, very but um, you can find me at tell T E L L a therapist.net. I do have a nonprofit teletherapist.org where we will connect you to a narc savvy clinician in your respective state. Or you can find me, Vanessa Riser, LCSW on Instagram and connect with me there. I try to help um, all victims, anybody who's trying to learn about a narcissist in their lives. I will try to guide you. And don't, don't get into it with her. Like she'll destroy you. It's not worth it. Like she's just like, I don't, 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 and especially don't do it on my posts guys. Come on. Like let's <laughs> stay away from her. Um, uh, this was really amazing. Thank you so much. I've been wanting to talk to you for months now. So thank you so much for your courage, for your work, for all of this. I think this is such an important topic. And unfortunately, we will probably have to talk about this for the rest of our lives. So be aware out there, guys, girls, anybody listening, be aware. Uh, but thanks so much. And hopefully you'll come back at, at another time when there's, I mean, there's going to be narcissists for the rest of our lives. So we'll, awesome. we'll talk Thank in the next so three. Much. Thank you very much for today. I really appreciate it. Five, four. Betches.